Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 128 of the podcast, NFL Week 2. It is great to have you with us. Thank you, as always, for your continued support. It is greatly appreciated. A good friend of mine, Will Brinson from CBS Sports, is going to jump on the pod in just a few minutes to preview NFL week number two. Will's in the Super Contest, so he'll give you his five plays there. We'll talk about a few other games as well, specifically that Jacksonville-New England matchup. That one is setting itself up, in my opinion, to position the pros versus the Joes, and we may have more on that in our pick segment at the end. Just a little forward tease for you there. But we're going to begin today with where we began last week. I wanted to relay to you guys a very popular six-point teaser that was being played amongst the wise guys in Vegas. And last week, that was Minnesota and Baltimore. To recap, a six-point teaser, you take two teams and you have six points to influence the point spread in each scenario. So, for example, you took Minnesota from six and a half and you teased it down to a half. They covered that against the Niners. But you also needed the other half of that teaser to come in. That was taking Baltimore minus six or so, minus seven, and teasing it down against the Buffalo Bills. And, of course, they hammered Nathan Peterman and company. So that one came through. We're 1-0 with our six-point teasers. I figure since we went 3-1 and last week and hit on the teaser, we might as well stick with the formula because it appears to be working early in the season. So... This week, your NFL Week 2 six-point teaser is to take the Denver Broncos from minus six to a pick against the Oakland Raiders and the New York Giants from plus three to plus nine as they are in Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Oakland coming off a very physical loss to the Los Angeles Rams, and they're working on a short week thanks to that game taking place on Monday night. They're going to have to travel to Denver to play at altitude against the Broncos team that hosted Seattle last Sunday. So I love the spot for Case Keenum and company. Note that the favorite is 10-1-1 against the spread in the last 12 meetings between these two teams, while the Raiders have covered the number just once in their last six trips to Denver. As for the Giants, this is more of a fade on the Cowboys than anything else. Honestly, how much pop does Dallas really possess? Jason Garrett's mundane offense mustered just eight points and only 232 total yards at Carolina in week one while committing 10 penalties and averaging a paltry 4.1 yards per play. New York has covered the number in five of their last seven games against the Cowboys. They possess more firepower, boast a better defense, and feature more advanced coaching. So your six-point teaser for week two is Denver Pickham versus Oakland and the Giants plus nine at Dallas. It's going to be up 500 by midnight. Senior NFL writer for CBS Sports and host of the Pick 6 pod, which I highly recommend you check out because it's one of the most insightful podcasts in the business. You can follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Will Brinson makes his return to the Sharp 600. Buddy, how are you? Are you uh, battening down the hatches for the hurricane? I'm doing well, Joe. Now we got we got two for two. I've been on yours twice, and you've been on mine twice. We got to keep it rolling. I like it. Uh, I'm actually we did a semi evacuation of, of my house in Raleigh, which is like 120 miles away from the hurricane. We came to High Point, not to get into geography for North Carolina geography, <laughs> but uh, ironic, not ironically, but uh, our air conditioning went out 
uh, the day before, like, we were going to leave for High Point anyway. And the part is supposed to come from Myrtle Beach, which is currently being punished by the hurricane. So it's possible that we don't have AC for a week. Possible we don't have power for a week. So we just thought we'd come to my parents' house and, and set up shop and annoy them and, and stay out of the weather. Well, listen, stay safe. And I'm glad you're still able to do things like podcasts and work throughout the week because we need that information. So it is greatly appreciated. Now, let's begin with this. As we approach week two... Uh, as amateurs, when you and I both broke into the business years ago, I'm sure we could have fallen victim to overreacting. The Saints can't play defense, same old chargers, all the storylines we know that are out there. But we've sharpened up. We've been around for a while. How do you approach this week versus other weeks? Do you, do you try to mentally um, take a contrarian approach? Because I know that I don't, I don't try to buy into too much of what I saw in week one because I'm going to fall victim to what so many others fall victim to. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I still think, and this is my theme kind of coming into the year, Joe, and how I, I, I ended last year pretty on a pretty good heater just in terms of uh, making picks. And um, I started just to take teams I trust. And so I, I'm trying to maintain that same approach this year. Now, I mean, like, I think the key in the first couple of weeks of the NFL season is you have to be willing to adjust your perception of reality. Like, I like the Redskins and the Ravens coming in. I think I'm right on those teams. I mean, it could, it could certainly change. You go sideways on me. You know, that's just how the game works. But I'm going to maintain my, my belief in those teams and, and not think that what we saw in a week one was a flash in the pan. Uh, you know, conversely, I'm not going to buy into the idea that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a really good football team just because Ryan, Fitzpa- Ryan Fitzpatrick caught lightning in a bottle in week one. Uh, they got a lot of injuries on defense. So I think it needs to be a blend of, you know, of, of maintaining what you think is the reality of, of the NFL in 2018, you know, giving yourself a, you know, some checks and balances in terms of what you might have missed because we're not all right about every team in the league, and, and then also making sure that you don't overreact to those things. Because if you'll recall – the, you know, the Saints last year got bludgeoned by the Vikings in week one, got hammered by the Patriots in week two. We all assumed the Saints were going to go seven and nine, and then their defense and offense both rounded into shape very quickly. So I think it's important to remember that um, what we see in the first week, what we see in the first two weeks is oftentimes not reality. As we speak, this game is off the board pretty much anywhere. Green Bay, Minnesota, due to the Aaron Rodgers knee injury sustained in week one at Chicago against the Bears. Uh, Based on the information you have in front of you at the moment, do you see Rodgers playing in this game? How are you going to cap this? I I don't – I mean, it's it's hard to say. Like, I mean, and I know that's not a great answer, but I tend to think that – they put him back up against the Bears, and they believed that the Bears' defense would wear down a little bit and that Rodgers could hang in there and that he could play well and they could ultimately uh, win the game. And, and that is what happened. So credit to them for, for that working out. I am a little concerned, I think, about the idea that, that Rodgers and the Packers would put him out there against a Vikings defense that is not going to let up. Like, Minnesota's not going to get tired, and they're not going to stop rushing the passer. And Aaron Rodgers on one leg is, is potentially dangerous for his long-term health against, against the Vikings. I mean, that being said, I don't think the Packers are just going to wave the white flag and let him go, but I think they have to, they have to factor in the long-term health of Rodgers here, and you can't put him out there against a really dangerous defense that hits quarterbacks really hard and gets tons of pressure at every level if he's not if he's not 100% or no if he's not not 100% but if he's not re- he's not 100% ready to play and able to play and also if it could mean long-term damage because you need to win against Minnesota at home that's a key matchup for the division 
But at the same time, you can't lose Aaron Rodgers for an extended period of time like he did last time against Minnesota. So I think he'll play, but I got to say, like the Westgate released the super contest line and it's Packers plus seven, which is a little odd considering if you can find it in the market right now, it's, it's like Packers at a pick. I, I don't know. It, it's hard to say based on what we see for them, at least through middle of the day on Thursday. Carolina plus six at Atlanta. I know the Falcons have extra rest coming into this game, having played on the Thursday night to open the season in Philadelphia. But two big injuries to the defense, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal lost for the season. I'm liking the Panthers plus six, not because of the way Atlanta looked in week one, but I think that's too many points. I think the Panthers are better than they're getting credit for. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. And I think with Carolina – what you saw from Norv Turner carried over from the preseason in that he wants to build this offense around Christian McCaffrey and around Cam Newton. McCaffrey, by the way, had a fumble inside the five. And otherwise, if he doesn't do that, that game could have gone a lot differently in terms of the final score. I think Carolina could have piled up some more points. And when you think about what you need on the Falcons defense to slow down Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton, it's Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. And so I don't know. I mean, look, those are the two big pieces that I would be worried about in terms of missing and not being able to slow down McCaffrey and Cam. I will say one red flag, Joe, is that if you look back at really the last four or five years of Cam Newton going into Atlanta, he doesn't typically tend to play well um, on the road against the Falcons. I don't know exactly why that is. I mean, maybe he gets nervous playing in front of his home crowd or um, you know, you'd think he would be good in the, or the Georgia Dome or the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but he just hadn't been fantastic. Um, I, I do. One of the other reasons I like Carolina is that I think that Carolina's defense is a plus defense in the red zone in terms of, you know, it's it, like if, if the Falcons are going to score against Carolina, it's going to be because they get Julio Jones isolated against a quarterback on a deep on a deep route where he can get separation and Matt Ryan can throw him open. I think when you condense that field and you force the, the Falcons to make plays in the red zone, Carolina's defense with their linebackers is a lot better than, and, and the pressure they get up front is a lot better than it is. Uh, you know, in between the, you know, the 50 and the 20 or, or in between the 20s. And I think that we're going to see some more struggles from Sarkeesian and, and that offense in the red zone. They're going to be trying to force feed things. And I could see, I could see the Panthers winning outright in this game. All right. This next one stinks to me. So Kansas City <laughs> hammers the Chargers, right? They look fantastic in the process. Pittsburgh, meanwhile, ties Cleveland in overtime. Kansas City's catching four and a half. And this feels like the game where the public lines up and says, ooh, I'm going to play an underdog. I'm going to play my underdog, and it's going to be Kansas City. But that just looks like a huge red flag. The one thing I can't get over with Pittsburgh, they're 1-4 against the number in their last five September games. They're 0-5 against the number in their last five home games. Roethlisberger traditionally struggles early in the season. It's probably a stay-away game for me, but what are you thinking here? I'm liking Pittsburgh in that contrarian type of way, and I don't don't like doing it because I was really high on Kansas City coming into the season. I had them winning the division. I actually had them repping the AFC in the Super Bowl um, in in my preseason pick. Now, having said that, I think what you're looking at here is a situation where the Chiefs don't have a great defense. Um, Ben Roethlisberger is much better at home. James Conner played well and can fill in for Le'Veon Bell. If he doesn't fumble – uh, maybe they beat the Browns or, beat, or you know, even blow out the Browns. And, um, and I think with Antonio Brown, this is a spot where he can really get right. And if the, the weather should be good. The over-under is high, and I believe it is still climbing. 
Last time I checked, it was like, uh, I think it was 52 and a half, might be up to 53 and a half, opened at 50 and a half. So that's been moving up all, all week. Um, the, the Florence is not supposed to creep up north and hit Pittsburgh until much later in the week. And I think when you look, it's an interesting matchup here, Joe, because we think about, I mean, I would tend to give Andy Reid the head coaching edge against Mike Tomlin. But if you look at it, Andy Reid's never beaten the, 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 the Steelers since he got to Kansas City when Tomlin is there and Big Ben is healthy. Uh, four and one overall, I think. And so I think that Pittsburgh can actually win this game uh, by a substantial margin and surprise some people, mainly because they can get a lead and ice things out. And, and Patrick Mahomes will be for, forced to play catch up, and that could result in, uh, in some potential bad interceptions. AFC Championship game rematch, this time in Jacksonville. It's the Jaguars hosting the Patriots. It's a pick em at most shops. I mean, what do we do here? Do we play the revenge angle with the Jaguars and fade a Patriots team that seems to cover two out of every three? Or do we back the Patriots in a spot where we probably should be getting more points? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Patriots, I saw this stat from uh, Joe Osborne of, of oddshark.com, and I, it scared me a bit because it's, it's like, man, the Patriots are 22-7 and seven against the spread in their last 29 regular season games. My I God. mean, come on. Yeah, the Patriots, the Patriots are covering machines. Um, I, I do think, though, that it's fair to ask what would happen if – what would the line be if this, instead of in Jacksonville and instead of wearing Jaguars uniforms, this Jaguars team was called the Vikings and they were playing in Minnesota? I think in that case, the Patriots would probably be plus three. I don't think the Patriots would be favored. Now, Minnesota has a much better home field advantage in Jacksonville, but I would expect things to be pretty rowdy in Jacksonville given that they lost that AC championship game. Jaguars fans are a salty, angry bunch of human beings. They're going to get heavily lubricated for this game. My family's from Jacksonville. Believe me when I said that they, they are, they are down, <laughs> they're down to get drunk. Um, before a football game, but all due respect to, to Aunt Susan and Uncle Rick uh, and, the, <laughs> and the kids there. Um, I, but, look, I just think that – I think you're going to see a charge-up Jacksonville team that can control the ball. And I, I don't know if – I don't know which way I'd go if Leonard Fournette is out. It's not looking great for him. I tend to lean Jacksonville here just because I don't think Jacksonville – I think Jacksonville is too good a football team – to be a home underdog to anybody, and their defense is good enough to really slow down Tom Brady. Uh, they just have they need Blake Bortles to execute on some shots down the field, and I think they can steal a win there. Sunday night football, Dallas laying three at home against the Giants. It wasn't that long ago where Eli and Tony Romo were in their prime, and this was like a must-bet over. Now we got a situation where Prescott and the Cowboy offense are struggling. Eli looks like he's on his last legs, and we got a total sitting there of 42-and-a-half for a Sunday night football game. Are you expecting any fireworks whatsoever? I mean, this, this Dallas offense last week against Carolina was pathetic. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a lot of scoring. I actually really like uh, – I think the – and I know we'll talk Super Contest in a second. I, you could pencil in the Giants as one of my picks. They're getting three there. You know, you'd like to get a half point so you don't have to worry about a potential uh, hedge if they end up losing. But when I look at what Dallas the, – the, if you look at the Dallas-Carolina game, the biggest problem that the Cowboys had was on um, third down situations – where they would be in a big spot trying to move the ball, and Kawan Short would just bust up the middle 
and, and sack Dak Prescott or just get I mean, he spent the whole day in Dak Prescott's kitchen. And I think that when you look at the strength of the Giants defense, and in particular the defensive line, Olivier Vernon might be out. But, they, but Damon Harrison's one of the best run-stuffing defensive tackles in the league, if not the best run-stuffing defensive tackle. And B.J. Hill, their, their rookie at NC State, uh, is actually kind of a – sort of a poor man's Kawan short, just in terms of a young man's Kawan short, just in terms of being able to rush the passer from the defensive tackle position. And so I think with Travis Frederick out and the pressure that the, the Giants can generate on the interior, I think the Dallas offense is going to struggle again. They're not particularly great at home. Um, you know, th- I think you can easily give a coach. I, mean, I don't love Pat Shermer, but you can easily give him the coaching edge over Jason Garrett. Uh, I think the Cowboys are in disarray right now. And I like the Giants to, to win this game. Certainly like him catching three. I would lean under. That's a low total for a Sunday night game, um, especially when you've got explosive playmakers like Odell Beckham and, and uh, Zeke Elliott and Saquon Barkley. But I would probably lean under just because we haven't seen these teams really stretch things out offensively yet. Right back to prime time for the Chicago Bears, who are going to host the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. For the Bears, they got to put the second-half disaster against Green Bay behind them. For Seattle, they have to hit the road for the second week in a row. First, they go to altitude at Denver. Now they're going to be in Chicago in front of a hostile crowd. More importantly, the Chicago pass rush against this Seattle offensive line, which is putrid to say the least, will probably be the difference in this game. Would you be willing to lay the points with the Bears knowing you just saw Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy let that one get away from them against Green Bay? I think what I'd be doing here, Joe, is I would go, if I'm, if I'm betting this, um, I'm taking Chicago in the first half. And, I, and I'm not exactly sure what it is. I would guess it's probably a point or a point and a half. And the reason is when you go back and look at that Packers game, and I think there's, there's going to be some value in the Bears in the first half line early on in the season. Um, what they did really well was they had the game, they had these scripted, uh, scripted drives, and they were fantastic. And the offense looked great. And Mitchell Trubisky looked like baby Aaron Rodgers. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, the defense had a chance to catch up for Green Bay, and then you saw them get outmaneuvered. That was sort of a theme with, with you know, sort of a theme for Andy Reid and, uh, and certainly for Matt Nagy in that playoff loss to the Titans as well. That first half, they're fantastic, and then slowed down in the second half. Plus, with the defense that Chicago has, they've got a lot of top-end talent in terms of their starters, but their depth is, is lacking, to say the least. I mean, you know, if guys start getting hurt, Chicago's defense is going to become a sieve. Uh, and I think you can see them come out hot, slow down the Seahawks' offense, but then Russell Wilson will work some magic in the second half and get them back closer. I think that the Seahawks will, will keep this one close at the end, um, and I would lean Seattle if I was taking it because you're getting the hook at three and a half, but I would take the Bears – with that first half line in this game. Before I let you go, who are you thinking about playing in the super contest this week? Well, like I said, the Giants are, you can pencil the Giants in there as a team that, uh, the, a team that I'm definitely going to take. I think when you look around the league, you, you're kind of hard pressed not to take, um, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers by the time the picks are due on Saturday. I think it's Saturday at like noon Eastern time. Or, yeah, you got to wait till the like last that. second on that one. Yeah, well, this is a last-second situation, I think, for sure. Um, with both the Texans game and the, the Texans Titans game and the Packers and Vikings game, I mean, look, if Aaron Rodgers is ruled out before Sunday or, or he doesn't practice all week, I might take the Vikings minus seven because I think they will curb stomp uh, Deshaun Kaiser, and this is a very good Vikings team that knows if they get to play the Packers with no Aaron Rodgers and they can win big, 
then they can get out of there. You know, they can get a huge uh, lead in the division. I, Green Bay is a fantastic team to me. I mean, Minnesota's a fantastic team to me. Of course, if Rodgers looks like he's going to play, you, know, you have to take Aaron Rodgers plus seven. I think that's a given. I'm, I'm tempted to – I don't know why. Don't I, I mean, this is crazy, but I'm tempted to take the Bills plus seven against the Chargers. It, it'll be a – a, you know, it's a grin and bear it type of situation. But I think the Chargers are – a uh, team that likes to lay eggs early in the season. They're sloppy. They looked like it against Kansas City. Sean McDermott's a very good coach, even if the Bills aren't a very good team. I could see that defense for, for Buffalo limiting the Chargers a little bit. Maybe they make some special teams mistakes. And it is a 1 o'clock East Coast game, which is not always good for them. Um, and, and then I, I think that Carolina's probably going to be a play for me as well. I'm a little scared, Joe, and I'd be curious what you think about this one. Uh, the Jets minus 2.5. I think the Jets are a better team than the Dolphins. I, I think Todd Bowles is an underrated coach. I am a little worried that two and a half, given how that nobody watched Miami play for nine and a half hours on Sunday against Tennessee, and given how everybody watched the Jets bash in the Lions, I'm a little worried that that game's too obvious. Am I, am I crazy See, that's, that's exactly what I would be thinking. I think everyone is talking about Sam Darnold, and everyone saw the Jets smash the Lions on the road. Nobody watched Miami, and no one has faith in Miami to begin with. So there's no way you're getting value with the New York Jets, in my opinion. The question would be, right. do you feel like you're getting the value with Miami? It's kind of like what you're saying with Buffalo. There's no way you're going to get any value with the Chargers in that spot at all. Because everyone, as bad as, as the Chargers may have looked, Buffalo looked like garbage. They're going to be a straight bet against the rest of the season. So right there, catching all those points at home, go back through history. They have a strong home field advantage. They're going to be catching yep. a touchdown in this game. Josh Allen gets the start. I mean, do you trust the Chargers to not make at least half a dozen big mistakes in this game? <laughs> no. I, in fact, I trust the Chargers to make half a right. dozen big mistakes in this game. That's what they do in September. And, I, and you're right. I mean, like, remember the, the Chiefs came to, to uh, Ralph Wilson last year and laid an egg, and the Bills beat them. And, and this is the Chiefs team when they were rolling and they looked like they were going to be really good. So I, I am I – am, I, I mean, I'm, I scare myself, but I'm leaning Buffalo in that spot. Um, and I think you're right on New York. The other thing about the Jets that I think is really interesting is when you look at their home field advantage, right, and you check their rankings against the spread at, ho- at home, they're 7-1 and one last year uh, at home against the spread, but they're also 7-1 and one last year at home as underdogs against the spread. See, they were like – this is a Jets team that was consi- we thought, we thought it was going to be terrible last season. They weren't favored once at home, and they kept covering, and now they're a favorite at home. It's like in two weeks the Browns will be favored at home. You fade the Browns when they're a favorite. They've won one game in the last 31, 32 games. <laughs> I love it. Senior NFL writer at CBS Sports. I wasn't lying when I said it earlier. Be sure to check out the Pick 6 pod. It's one of the best out there. At Will Brinson on Twitter. Will Brinson joining us here on the Sharp 600. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for the time. Stay safe and best of luck this weekend. Always fun, Joe. Take it easy, buddy. I am still up uh, 20 grand from this last time I stick it in you. The 2018 NFL season got off to a great start for us last week. Three and one in our picks. We also hit on our six point teaser play, so we're four and one overall. In addition to that teaser from the beginning of the show, Denver and the Giants, we've got four picks for you this week. Give me some music. (laughs) 
Game number one, it's the Steelers hosting the Chiefs Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. This is our red alert game of the week. So you're telling me that the Steelers look like garbage in a 21-21 tie with the Cleveland Browns while the Chiefs smoke the Chargers in Los Angeles. And when the two meet each other in week two in Pittsburgh, the Steelers are laying more than the customary three points for home field advantage. Something stinks here. For starters, look inside last week's box scores, and you'll notice that Pittsburgh outgained Cleveland by 179 total yards, while Kansas City was outgained by Los Angeles by 145 total yards. Yep, final scores can be misleading. Dig a little further, and you'll find that the Chiefs are 1-4 against the number over their last five games against the Steelers and haven't won in Pittsburgh since December 21st, 1987. And since joining the Chiefs in 2013, Andy Reid is 1-4 straight up and 1-4 against the spread against the Steelers, going 0-2 both straight up and against the spread in Pittsburgh. Big Ben and company bounce back in a big way on Sunday. Lay the 4.5 with the Steelers. Game number two, pros versus Joes. It's the Jaguars and the Patriots. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. I'm calling this one our fade the public game of the week. Maybe it really is this easy. Maybe you can spend 30 seconds looking at the board, spot the Patriots as a small favorite, plunk down your cash on Brady and Belichick, and turn a profit. After all, the Patriots are 54, 37, and 3 against the spread, which is 59.3%, in the Brady era as a road favorite. That is insane. So maybe I'll go down in flames while the Vegas tourists cash the most obvious ticket on the board this week. But this is the biggest game on the Jacksonville schedule after the Jags blew a 20-10 fourth quarter lead against the Pats in Foxborough last January. And these guys know they are good enough to topple New England. So I'm playing the contrarian angle and taking the point with the Jaguars in week two. Game number three, Sunday night football. It's the Giants at the Cowboys. Sunday, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 5.20 p.m. Pacific, AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry World. We explained this one in our six-point teaser, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Take the Giants plus the three. I've got Big Blue winning this game outright. I think Dallas is a total fraud. They have virtually no firepower on offense outside of Ezekiel Elliott. And when you have a cheap quarterback in Dak Prescott, it is your obligation to spend money like the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson on his rookie deal, like the Bears are doing with Mitchell Trubisky on his rookie deal. The Cowboys are flaming out. Take the points with the Giants. Like I said, I think they win it outright. Game number four, Monday night football. Back to the well. It's the Bears minus three against the Seattle Seahawks. Monday, 8-15 Eastern, 5-15 Pacific Soldier Field tricky spot here for Seattle. They had to play at altitude in Denver last Sunday and now they have to travel roughly 2,000 miles to Chicago for a Monday night game at Soldier. Throw in the fact that wide receiver Doug Baldwin, linebacker KJ Wright, and offensive guard DJ Fluker are are all battling injuries, excuse me, and you've got a highly questionable Seattle Seahawks squad going up against one of the league's nastiest defenses. Seattle has covered the number just twice over its past 10 games, while the Bear is 6-2 against the spread over the last eight Monday night games something in which I give the credit squarely to the great people of the city of Chicago. As long as Matt Nagy keeps his foot on the gas this time around, I'm not sweating this one. Lay the field goal with the Bears. So, to recap, NFL Week 2, your teaser play. The Broncos, tease them down to a pick The Giants, tease them up to plus 9. As for your sides, it's the Steelers minus 4.5 over the Chiefs. 
the Jags plus one over the Patriots, the Giants plus three over the Cowboys, the Bears minus three over the Seahawks. That is a wrap for us. Episode 128 in the can. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. Be well and best of luck. Thank you.